are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. Griff, can you speak into the mic? Because we haven't heard you here in the past few weeks. I think it's been like six weeks or so since I've actually sat down and, and talked into the mic with the headphones on and everything after we got stood up last week. Ugh. So I've been waiting to say this, brother. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, it's Valentine's Day weekend, Super Bowl weekend. <sighs> Um, I don't think I'm going to be watching the Super Bowl. It's good. I'm in a good mood. It's a good. It's Friday. Every day is good Friday, baby. Goodness, every every, <laughs> every week's good Friday. You know, that's pretty. It's a sad. You know, okay. it's the day that Jesus died, Griff. I mean, <laughs> every Friday is good. Hey, I will say because we needed the crucifixion if we were going to get to the resurrection. But every day, sin and death are defeated because of Good Friday. Like Jake. Jake Paul says, every day, bro. It's every day. <laughs> it's every day, bro. So, for our guest today, we have the best disc golf player, probably Gosh. from the Midwest to the South. We have the man, the myth, Oklahoma's <laughs> prince, Noah Year Out. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Also, I, I just want to point out, I did not stand you guys up last week. I I got I was playing spike ball in the snow, which you don't know that it's super fun. But two, and I got my phone back and got notified of like four missed calls, three text <laughs> messages. Hey, you want to record, man? I'm like, uh, oh, I mean, man. it's like twenty minutes. I mean, uh, I thought you'd say we were not gonna do it. So I think that's on you, Dan. I'm gonna put that on you. Wow, right? No, You're I'm gonna kidding. make me defend myself of on my on me and Griff's podcast. Yes, I am. You've been brought before the tribunal. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, Noah, for anybody that doesn't know you, can you just tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, what uh, year of school you're in, and like what are you doing right now in life, dude? Yeah. So, like, like Dan so wonderfully introduced me. I am from Oklahoma. So ask me why I'm in Indiana. I, that's that's a whole. Go Sooners, <laughs> Boomer Sooner baby. Um, no, yeah, I'm I'm from Oklahoma. I I technically graduate this this April in my undergrad, um, studying youth and pastoral ministries, and I I'm serving you know at, at churches, but honestly, just just trying to see where where I can go, where where God wants me to grow, and uh, I do play lots of disc golf because. Sports is really, really uh, heavily influenced in my life, and that's a whole huge part of, of who God created me to be. So mm, that's good. Yeah, nice. dude. So like disc golf, Noah. Mm-hmm. Every man should play disc golf. Oh, yes. Some say it's the manliest sport. Why? Oh, I, before you <laughs> respond, Griff. Okay. Why would you say <laughs> it is the? Ma- There's a lot of sports, Griff. I mean, rugby. We got wrestling. football, wrestling. <laughs> we got hockey. We got uh, man. Why am I blanking on the one where lacrosse? There we go. I don't count so that as a curling as well. Okay, can't forget curling. Why would you, curling? Mm. Come on, actually, come on that might be <laughs> <laughs> table tennis. I mean, just so many. Why would you say that disc golf is the manliest sport? You're out in nature. 
it takes true strategy and accuracy and precision mm. to hit a nice birdie with a disc golf. Mm. I saw this clip on TikTok the other day. Don't ask me why I'm on TikTok. Um, but this guy skips it, like does this crazy sidearm throw, skips it off the ground. And there's like sticks and leaves and stuff. So it's not like he's skipping it off like water or something smooth. Pops up. I mean, this, this uh, what is it called? Cage? Basket. This basket mm-hmm. is about, mm, if I had to get like 90 yards away, probably. I mean, this dude snipes it. Most impressive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> So, Noah, yes, the yes. professional, mm. why would you say it's the manliest sport? Why would you say it's just like the most like, it's a, it's, I would say this to you, because I know we've talked about this. Why do you think disc golf is so slept on? Mm, mm. Okay, so, might I bring a comparison to the table? So, we have disc golf. Now, it is, it is specifically called disc golf. You don't throw rocks. You don't throw frisbees. You throw discs, yeah. okay? And the comparison to where it comes from is golf. So ball golf, as as many disc golfers call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am probably the world's worst golfer. Um, if you bring me golfing, I will drive the cart. I am that bad. I somehow managed to hit it behind me or between my legs. <laughs> when I I don't I played baseball, so golf is just not my forte. Um, but disc golf is free typically, way cheaper. Um, so that's just a little you know nice little incentive to get started, but. It does not take three hours to play a round of disc golf. It takes about, if you want to go fast, you know, get some cardio in there, you can do it in like 45 minutes. But manly-wise, I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. Um, it's something different when you're playing disc golf in the snow and in 25-degree temperatures. You can't feel your hands or your feet. You're not really sweating too much either. It's not like in football or you're running around a lot or soccer. It takes real resilience. Yeah, yeah, mental fortitude. You know, it teaches you a lot. Um, and as, as Griffin perfectly demonstrated in this TikTok that he recreated, obviously, cause he's going to re- recreate that later. I'm just going to speak that into existence, yes, sir. Yes. but there's some things that just happen. It's like, man, God is clearly on my side against, and not on these competitors. Cause that so. should not have gone in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the all Lord's the, favor, all the, all the world's problems. Yeah. And God predetermined that. God, oh, goodness. So, yeah, yeah. He just said, you know what? I'm going to take this disc, and I'm just going to guide it. I'm going to put my sovereign hand on this disc. What's, like, the craziest throw you've ever had? Mm. Is it called a throw, first of all? Yes, yes. Like a cast. (laughs) Like when you're fishing. Not fishing. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are many different ways to throw a disc. You can throw it sidearm. Typically known as like forehand. You can throw it backhand, which is a different way. You can throw it like a tomahawk, like a, like a thumber. It's just a bunch of different ways. But I would say one of my coolest throws ever. It was about a 400 feet, about, about 400 feet away. And uh, I threw it, skipped it, skip ace right in the basket. Kind of like how you told, like said, the, the TikTok was, but it was about... It was me in the TikTok. It was me, and it was about 100 feet further, so <laughs> by, by far, no. It was it was crazy, and I was like, man, I think I've reached it. Like, I've peaked in life right now. Moment. This is this is about, like, level salvation, you know, and, and the order of experiences in my life. I remember it was, like, this, like, past year in, like, the, the national tournament. This guy hit, like, this crazy, like, 200-yard, I don't know, something. I sent a video yeah, of like a crazy. Like, yeah. he, he straight up, <laughs> like, it, like literally everybody was, like, ready to pack up because it was like, there's no way this guy's hitting it. And he hits this, like, 200-yard, like, curves it around, like, yeah. trees and everything and, like, puts it right into the basket. And everybody, you would have thought 
like it was like the craziest upset in like imagine like an NCAA buzzer beater except with like what looked like you know all the thousand people's on this lawn running with this guy as mm, he hits this yeah. like and it would then never do that in real golf never <laughs> what's hilarious ball. about it is because you see everybody going wild and there's the guy he was facing and the guy he's facing is just standing there like are you kidding me man I yeah. just wanted to win. To give context to that, uh, the guy that he was playing against uh, had won uh, five times already. He was a five-time world champion, and he's about to make it six. And this was like the impossible shot that that went in. And also to give reference, Dan always sends me these videos like months after it actually happens. <laughs> like I, I've known about it, and I appreciate Dan sent it to me. I'm like, Dan, man, this happened like three years ago, bro. Like <laughs> I, I've seen this so many times. It's insane. <laughs> so crazy. It came across my feed though at that moment. So for it was me, meant I'm for like, you. it's yeah. happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you whispered disc golf too many times and you know, they just know like your search engine now. So, Noah, got a question we ask most of the guests mm. on this podcast. And we just want to know if you were to have a cup of coffee with anybody in the Bible. Mm. Except for Jesus. Except mm. for Jesus. Because I'm already having coffee with Jesus, let's be honest. Oh, oh preach. Come on, man. That's the first time we heard that one. Here we go. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's because I'm better. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, Here yeah. We go. And super humble, too. Super humble. I, too, am extremely humble. <laughs> but if you could have coffee with anybody in the Bible except for Jesus, who would you be having that cup of joe with? Mm. Man. Man. Okay, so I've kind of been been thinking about, you know, who do I kind of identify with in the Bible? Like who, like what are my, my gifts, my strengths that I'm like, you know what, I resonate with this character. Not going to lie, um, I think his name's Apollo, Apollos. Apollos. Um, the guy that knew the Old Testament super well, knew the law and was teaching it, just didn't know Jesus. And, and then someone discipled him and he... I'm just guessing became a just powerhouse for as, as, as an evangelist, someone that Paul talks about. Um, I think I definitely have, have coffee with him because he's one of those characters in the Bible that you don't, you don't hear about ever. Yeah. And there's probably so much richness to his life that we just never hear. So I'm going to say I would have some coffee with him, you know, a nice caramel macchiato, 16 ounce hot, specifically from a con. Mm. Mm-mm. It's a particular man. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually what's in front of me right now. So that's just speaking to me right now. Shout out to McCon Coffee. Shout out. <laughs> they fuel us basically on every episode. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in Folgers. I can't forget about my boys at Folgers. <laughs> hey, for the faithful, for the faithful that have been listening to us since the start, shout out to Folgers once again. <laughs> shout out. I mean, Apollos is like. I remember I just read about that first Corinthians three or four, where it talks mm-hmm. about how Paul, the people in Corinth are like, some are like Paul's the best. Some are like Apollo's teachings. Yeah. Are I the follow best. Apollo's. I follow Paul. But aren't we all servants of the Lord? Mm-mm. And I, so there, I do agree with you. There has to be some significant importance if people are putting him in that, you yeah. know, the names of like people are arguing between, is it Apollos or is it Paul? And Paul obviously says it's none of us. It's Jesus. But there still shows that, like, who's this Apollos guy? Yeah. That's, like, getting, like, the same credentials. Also, that like, name is, like, dope. Cool. <laughs> Goodness. Apollos. And it's, I mean, yeah. I would definitely, like, what would be some of the things that you would ask him? Hmm. So, I'd say first question would be, 
What what was the transformation for you when you went from knowing this this law so well to getting introduced to Jesus? How did that change your understanding of what you already knew? Like how did Jesus add to it and also like change it to where like we see how Jesus fits in all of that? And honestly just to sit there and be discipled by him as and to understand how he how he communicated what transformed his life, I guess. Yeah. That's good. Well, we're going to jump in. Um, if, you, if you don't mind, would you tell us um, just about your call to ministry, um, kind of how that began for you, um, and kind of what how that led you to where you are now here at IWU? Oh, yeah. So my call to ministry was kind of wild. Um, I had I grew up in the church. Um, I, I accepted Jesus at a very young age. I say fifth grade. I wasn't like super young, but decently young. But I lived a life that was very like legalistic in my faith. I didn't know that the relationship aspect of Christianity was even a thing. I just knew the do's and don'ts of scripture mm-hmm. and what my parents told me, what my pastors told me, just knew like, okay, don't cuss, don't cheat, don't lie, don't have sex, you know, don't drink alcohol, you know, serve others, do this, do that. And so it was pretty exhausting, not going to lie. Uh, I'd say for about mm, middle school into my sophomore year of high school, I was very very legalistic. And then all of a sudden this, in a side conversation with my future mentor, he, he was talking about a funeral and he mentioned that, um, this, this thing called a relationship with Jesus. And I was like, what, like, what is that? Like, what are you talking about? And, and so through conversations with him, my, my eyes were open to the fact that it was a relationship. Hmm. And so that was like my sophomore year of high school. And I had been going to church camp every single summer. And we know the routine of church camp. You go, you sweat so much, you smell bad. You probably hurt yourself a little bit. You look at the cute church camp girls and you're like, mm-hmm, that's my wife right there. And then you realize that. <laughs> you, you, realize, smell like, you smell like poop. <laughs> oh yeah, you smell <laughs> so bad. Like you, like you slept in actual cow poop. Like it was just bad. And uh, so we're living life. And so as we're going through church camp, um, you know, the typical routine of church camp is that Thursday night for our church camp was cry night. You know, you're going to, you're just going to lose it. You know, you're going to dehydrate. You got to drink up, you know, you got to get that water in you because you're going to cry cramping up. up. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're going to cry so much. You're going to have to <gasps> like the weed. It's just bad, man. No, no emotional manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't sleep. Don't do anything. Exhaust yourself Good and then gracious. just cry Thursday. Everybody just get ready for Thursday. It's Monday though. You know, like the speaker's like, just get ready. You guys aren't ready for thursday night <laughs> you're not ready thursday night you better come yeah, ready. it's gonna start right now man it's like, um I, what are I these other messages for this <laughs> just to build up just, just to build, to build up. up just get tired man it's just to build Goodness. up no but that was kind of the routine of our church camp and so my after i kind of figured out what that relationship with jesus was like my sophomore year go to church camp that summer and it's, it was amazing get you know just just more intimate with jesus more of a relationship and through like intense mentoring and discipleship that sophomore year, I go back through my junior year and I go back to that same church camp. And to give a little bit of, of a testimony of, of who I was, um, sports, like I mentioned, was just super prominent in my life. Grew up from the time I was like three years old playing sports. And I did everything. I think I, I played soccer year round, basketball in the winters and baseball year round. And when I got to high school, I had to choose between soccer and baseball because it was the same season. And my, my reasoning for, for choosing baseball over soccer was pretty much came down to one thing. And that was, I didn't want to run, Amen. Um, man. 
oh, I hate running. Like, I would no. have accepted any of your excuses for choosing baseball <laughs> over soccer, by the way. I'm very prejudiced against soccer. <laughs> but no, I hated running. It's, it's, I hated it. And even now working out, like trying to get cardio in, that's just the worst. I just had Stairmaster. To- oh, I did. Man, I slept on the Stairmaster. I was like, I got this. Like, I'm just doing stairs. You burned like 300 calories in like 30 minutes. And next thing you know, you're like getting off of it and you can't fit your knees. Yeah. All of a sudden the ground's Noodles. like liquid. That's oh, bad. And so if anyone's listening here and you needed something to work out and you just... Stairmaster. 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 You want to climb the Eiffel Tower in a solid 30 minutes? <laughs> Do that. Get on Stairmaster. Get on the Stairmaster. Good is yeah, dude. I'll, I'll tell you the story real quick. Everybody, when you were, one time me and Noah ran into each other at the gym, and you were about to go to cardio. And I remember asking you, I was like, hey, are you okay, man? And you're like, <sighs> I don't know, man. I got to go do some cardio. And I just, you know, I, I played baseball. And like, I was in there. I was like, what What's position your? in baseball? I'm left-handed. So I, I pitched, I played first, and I played outfield. I love center field. Mm-hmm. But um, going back to kind of my story, choosing baseball my freshman year, I was a little pipsqueak. I think I was like five, four, five, five, And I wasn't, I was going through puberty. You know, your body's changing. I felt like a klutz going through like shoes every day every year every six months because my feet are growing yeah mm-hmm. and uh next thing i know I'm, I'm just going through i ended up getting to pitch a little bit freshman year on varsity and i was like okay i'm kind of a big dog like i'm important <laughs> i'm a i'm important you know i'm kind of cool and i went to a pretty big school and competed in the highest division and for any of those any of you guys baseball in the south is very different than the midwest and it is it is intense it's and like basketball in indiana kind yeah of. kind of that same comparison if you play baseball and you're good at it, like people know, and you have a lot more credibility. So my freshman year, I'm like, yeah. So my identity was really wrapped up in in sports and that performance. So then sophomore year, I'm walking in thinking, I got this. Like, I, I got this. I can I can go play varsity. I'm going to play center field and pitch or play left field. No, no, I just pitched. And at first I was like, yeah, it's fine. I was lazy. Didn't want to, you know, put in the work. And next thing I know, I'm like, I'm just upset. I'm like, I deserve this. I'm better than whoever's out there. And if that is true or not, like my identity was wrapped up in that. So fall into a little bit of a depression in my sophomore year because my identity was just solely in that, which is about the same time I found that relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that was all intertwined. And my junior year comes and I, as in the baseball world, when you hit 90 miles per hour on the mound, that means big dog. You're a big dog. Like, you know, college is D1. D1 is an opportunity. It's it's something that you can look for. And junior year I did that. But then that summer, I went to church camp again, you know, because I love Jesus. Mm-mm. Come on now. But yeah. I'll also love baseball. And so I'm going to church camp. Monday happens. Speaker is, you know, it's a little different this year. He's coming in Monday with some fire. Like he's not holding till no, he's no. not holding off till Thursday. He's waited. not holding off till Thursday. I'm already like Oh gosh, my my heart hurts, man. This guy's pitching ninety right now, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not ready for it. Curveball's coming at my head, and I just don't see it. They put their closer on the first night, (laughs) (laughs) but no Monday he brought the he he brought it, and I was like, oh my, like this is this is going to be intense. Like I'm expecting the Lord to move, and some guys actually from Iowa ministry teams, shout out ministry teams, they they were there. Mm -hmm. Noah Shigley, Jarrett Keffler, man, they were very formational in my call to ministry, and. Uh, that Monday night happens, and then all of a sudden Wednesday rolls around, and I I literally 
experience the most tears of my life. I cried so much. It was so broken. Everything was stripped. And so I'm leaving Wednesday going, man, I don't have to worry about cry night tomorrow. Like cry night's not going to happen because I already did that. And, and God said, uh, excuse me? <laughs> Psych. <laughs> I got you more on Thursday. And, and Thursday rolls around and the spirit is thick. Spirit is prominent. Um, you can almost like cut it with a knife. Like it was, you could just know the spirit was there. So Thursday is happening and I, I get my call to ministry. And then immediately after my call to ministry, uh, I look up to my left and we, there was just this moment of healing where, um, a little girl had a, a demon cast out of her. Mm. And so it was like this great juxtaposition of like, this is what I'm called to do. And then this is what ministry is. And I was like, oh, wow. But yeah. the different ways that God had orchestrated my call to ministry just left me to speechless to where I could never deny that. And if I did, it was blatant disobedience to the Lord. Um, the people that he had put in my life, the way that he called me to ministry, the way that um, he orchestrated to where I can look back on it now and go, there's absolutely no doubt that this is what I have to do. Which is actually ironic because I'm sitting here recording this podcast with you guys and I'm questioning and, and wondering, God, what does it look like for me to do ministry in a couple of years? Because mm. I'm sitting here exhausted, drained, lack of passion. And I'm like, God, what happened to that Noah that was there that junior year church camp where you were so prominent and so on fire for the Lord? And now I'm sitting here with the grind of homework and the grind of school going, Man, I just I just need to stop. Like I need I, I don't know what what the future has for me. So that's kind of a quick little snippet of my my call to ministry. I think that's something um, like as a ministry student that we can kind of all attest to is like you get to a point where you're like, God, I'm so tired of these books. Yeah, and you're like, I, I just want to like I want to get out there and I want to actually go and do ministry full time. And I think I hit that wall because when I was doing the current program was just to reiterate what that is. That's uh, a three plus two program. You get your undergrad degree in three years. You get your master's the next two or one, depending on what degree you want. So for me, um, I worked all summer long, so I wasn't able to take summer classes or anything. So I did my undergrad in four. So my junior year, um, that's my, that was when I was really like, this is tough. Um, and I had this experience at work that really just, it, I was working in a factory and I was able to share the gospel with somebody there. Like the last place I thought I was going to share the gospel with somebody was at Frito-Lay in Frankfurt, Indiana. And that just kind of smacked me upside the head and said, no, this is what it's about. Mm. Like the reason why we're studying and why we're in these books that we get so tired of after reading page after page after page is to be prepared because she, she asked some questions that if I hadn't been in college and I hadn't been ingrained in the word or studying deep theology on a daily basis. And, and that wasn't even really the case with undergrad masters is really when that kicks up. But without the training that I was going through that I was so sick and tired of, I wouldn't have been able to share the gospel as effectively with her as I, as I was able to. Um, so when you ultimately for anyone listening and for you too, like whenever you feel like you're going to hit that wall of like, what's the point of this? Like, why am I wasting my time doing this? I want to get back to what I felt when I felt that call, that church camp feeling. Cause I resonate with that church camp with my place. 
when I want to, when you want to get back to that point, part of the job of the pastor is to kind of lead people to that place. And that's when the relationship part comes in is because you're called to uh, be indwelt by the spirit and to uh, make it accessible, you know, for other people. Like it's your job to explain these spiritual realities that don't make sense in ways that connect people with God. Mm. And that makes him, makes the spirit like tangible. Like you said on that, on that night, it was like you could cut it with a knife. That's what the job is of the pastor. Um, Not that, not that God relies on us to be present, but it's to help guide people to that place. And ultimately God's the one who acts, but we have an, we have an amazing part to play in that. It's like, that's my encouragement to anyone listening who feels like they might have hit that wall. There's a purpose for your training. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a reason why theology matters. Um, and just, I want to briefly shout out um, the deep grace podcast. That's another one of our podcasts here. Um, the called collective network. Um, listen to uh, Tyler's episode with Dr. Jonathan Morgan. Wonderful, wonderful episode of why theological study matters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah like, I want to add to that. Even though it sucks sometimes, like the amount of training that I have had has led to such a deeper understanding of what everything means. Mm. And that when I'm explaining what the gospel is, I actually have a better understanding of what it is. Yeah. So even though it sucks, and I, even though it's a grind, and even though there's times I'm like, man, this, how am I going to get through this? There's that little moment that God provides of, hey, this is why you do it. Just like you had that moment with that at that factory. And yeah, it, it's it's cool, but yeah. I think kind of to equate it, we were talking about like exercise earlier. There's plenty of days when I definitely do not want to go work out. And I think there, I think we can all kind of agree with that <laughs> like to day. some degree. Leg day. I actually love leg day. I love it. I love deadlifts. <laughs> Stairmaster. But you get to that point where you're like, man, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. I don't I don't need to go work out today. But you stick to it if you stay disciplined and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going, you'll get stronger and stronger and you'll be able to lift weight you you never thought you'd be able to, right? Or or let's say you're 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 lifting for a sport. Let's say you're working on your vertical for for basketball. And you're not able to dunk and you keep working, you keep working, you keep working and you're able to jam. And that's something you never thought was imaginable for you. You didn't think you'd be able to do it, but it's like that, that dedication for you to keep pushing forward because you have an end goal in sight. And that's Mm -hmm. like the vision you have to have as a ministerial student, because you're going to get tired of the books and you have to have the end goal of seeing someone truly encounter God the way that you've explained, you encountered the Lord on that church camp the way that I've encountered God at church camp at passion, the way I'm sure you have too, Dan, Mm -hmm. that's what you want to have as the end goal. When you see someone's life transformed and you see the shackles fall off their wrists Mm -hmm. and you see them truly be freed by the power of the gospel, Mm -hmm. that's the end goal you have to have in sight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess uh, thinking about now, like what I said about my call to ministry I got to the I got to the the lead up the build up to my actual call, but never actually described what that was kind of like. And a lot of people ask, "What what is it like to get called to ministry? Like, what does that look like? Like, what was it like for you?" And in the moment, I couldn't explain it to you. I just knew it. But then I came to college, sitting in the class with Charlie Alcock, <laughs> Good Days Podcast. Hey, shout uh, out! <laughs> <laughs> but. That we were sitting in intro to ministry class. It is probably one of the easiest classes at Indiana Wesleyan University. 
mm-hmm. but it was also really, really good. Yep. And something he said that just stuck, it was like this this irrevocable like feeling, this feeling that you didn't understand or comprehend, you just knew. Mm-hmm. And I just like sat there that day and I was like, that is exactly what that was. I just knew in that moment that ministry is what I was called to do. And I couldn't, I couldn't explain it to you. I couldn't tell you what it was like. I know God speaks to me a lot through feelings, through convictions, through urgings. And for me in that moment, it was just this sense of, yeah, ministry. Like that is what I have for you, Noah. And then, you know, he, some random, not random girl. I knew this girl. She was in our youth group, but someone that did not have much experience with, you know, a lot of time with the Lord. And she walked up to me and goes, I don't know if, if you need to hear this or not, but from what, you know, what I think the Lord's telling me right now is that you are worth it. And like you were called ministry kind of, kind of feeling. And I was like, well, I guess. (laughs) Okay, God, hear you loud and clear. Yep. And then over now to make that even better, even if I were even doubting after that moment, Noah Shigley um, was the camp counselor that year at my church camp. And the year before, he had stopped by my hometown in Oklahoma, and we talked. And he said, after we talked, he didn't tell me this until after I was called to ministry, but he said, I knew that when we talked that day that you were going to be called to ministry, but I had to let you get to that moment first. And it was just like this perfect like bow on the top of Noah Shigley being there for my call to ministry. And when I told him, he said, dude, like he was like so excited. I just remember like the pure joy that, that he just showed and expressed, but also told me, yeah, I knew that about a year ago, but I had let you come to that. Mm-hmm. And then to even further affirm it, Friday morning after the whole cry night, you know how they always pass around those cards. That's like, what'd you do today at church camp? Like, did you, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you come to salvation or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I looked at it and there was like that bottom line of like call to ministry or something. And when I was in like seventh grade, I just looked at that and I had just checked off like small group leader, or like youth minister, or youth pastor. And I didn't know why. I was like, that's strange. And then that year at church camp, that next Friday morning, that same card was passed around. It looked a little different, but it had the same concept. And I just remember like smiling going, okay, I see you, God. Yeah. And like checking off that box and like handing it in. And there were just so many reasons to affirm my call to ministry especially like Mm -hmm. looking at it now. I'm like, thank you God for affirming it so much because I still had to come back from church camp and figure out, okay, what does baseball look like for me? Like going into my senior year, am I going to work at this? And, and am I going to work at this and become like a D one player that's throwing like 94 on the mound that has curveball slider change up. I got everything in the books. I can throw Mm -hmm. three arm angles or am I going to follow the call? The Lord placed in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so working through that, my senior year, that affirmation that God had given me um, helped me understand, no, this is what I'm called to do. This is what the Lord has for me, and I have to obey that. Mm-hmm. And if baseball is intertwined with that, cool. But I can sit here saying, telling you guys I'm here in a Wesleyan, not playing yeah. baseball, mm-hmm. not doing that. And that's a whole different conversation, a whole different testimony. But that affirmation and that call to ministry was just insane, and it was wild mm-hmm. and, yeah, crazy. And that's uh, that's one thing I did want to ask you is I was actually, I had the privilege of being Noah's uh, peer educator freshman year. And you had originally told me like about how like, yeah, I was like throwing 90 in like high school. And I was like, and Iwoo actually has a baseball team here. Mm-hmm. Everybody shout out Iwoo baseball. Um, but so what was that like? 
coming now because you've left high school. This is your freshman year, and you're now in that first season of like not playing baseball. Yeah, knowing you could easily, I mean, easily be on the, nothing against our team or anything, but like you, you could be on that team playing. Um, what was what was that decision of just focusing on your ministry major? And yeah, yeah, coming in freshman year. Okay, background. My dad um, played professional baseball for seven years and then went overseas and continued to play in Holland, the Netherlands, not Holland, Michigan. I guess that's a thing. I thought like, I told people like Holland and they're like, oh yeah, Holland, Michigan. I'm like, oh, that's like, that's a, people like- No, like Holland. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, like the country over in Europe. So he went over there where he met my mom and that is, it's like a Hallmark, you know, movie in in itself. (laughs) And I'm I'm guessing a lot of girls at Iowa just would eat that up. But um, oh, that's so cute! <laughs> oh, he went over there because he loved her. That's so awesome. Yeah. Well, it's imagine doing long distance, you know, on two different continents different and writing letters me. with no cell phones. That's what my parents did too. That's I'm over here doing long distance, and I'm like, dang, this this is tough. We got Facetime. <laughs> we got Facetime, <laughs> and I'm like, man, they're they're writing letters. They don't get there till like the next week. Mm-hmm. That's that's tough. But yeah. yeah, my dad played baseball for a long time. And so I had some of the best training in the world, having him, you know, be the man that he was playing baseball. And he was, he was really good. And so actually going to my senior year, it was hard having that conversation with my dad. I don't know, man, is this what I want to do in college? It's not what I want to do. Like, I know the Lord kind of wants me to go to Indiana Wesleyan. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of struggle for a little bit. My dad and I talked about it and he's like, you have this gift, you have this platform, you can use it. And I'm like, man, well, yeah, I can. But what if I'm not, like, it's not what I feel led to. And it actually came like December. Like, that's all through off season. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had made that decision in my mind. Like, I don't, I don't think this is what I want to do. Cause I was coming in my senior year throwing 90 miles per hour. So I could have hit that off season and worked really hard and maybe bump it up to 93 mm-hmm. as a lefty. That's, that's kind of nuts. And, but going into that, just like that, that December break, my dad just, this almost like makes me cry thinking about it, but he was sitting on the couch and something about my dad and I's relationship. Like we have a great relationship, but when it comes to spiritual stuff, we're not the most like open about it. And it's not something he's super vocal about, even though he's a man of God, it's just not his personality. And for him to sit up on the couch and like, you know, the whole dad thing when they look at you with their hands on their knees and they yeah. like, you're like, oh gosh, I'm about to get like yelled at. Listen or, here. Yeah. <laughs> Listen here, son. Let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, dad. <laughs> no, he, he looked up, he looked at me and he said, you know, as, as I was spending this time out in the woods, like on a, he likes to hunt and, and as a retreat, he was praying with God and he just had this moment where God told him like, yeah, no, it's okay to take a step away from baseball. And like for him to tell me that baseball was okay to step away from, I said, wow. Mm. Okay, God, I can follow you in this. Yeah. And then coming to Iowa and there's a baseball team and and that's around. I just had such peace about not playing that it wasn't even a thought. And people asked me, and it's just a huge part of my testimony, like being obedient to the Lord and how the word just transform your heart. But yeah, it not playing baseball has opened up so many opportunities, but also has, I've grown so much spiritually that... yeah. I don't even desire to go back into it, even though I could work at it and, and get back to where I was maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's just, yeah, that's just not where the Lord has me. And he knew it was better for me than to force my way in that door. So you said you're a youth mid major, right? Yeah. So what led you specifically to wanting to minister to youth? My youth pastor, I loved youth group and I was really, I am still like pretty passionate about like youth. They're just fun. They can do so much with it. Um, yeah, but one thing that we did in my youth group was skits. And my youth pastor is really good about doing skits, like really stupid, really dumb skits that just make the whole youth group laugh. And something about that just, I don't know, it resonated a lot. But also, I have a pretty big passion for educating youth on sex, about like biblical sexual ethics. And what does it look like to understand what sex is and how God created it and like not listening to the world? Um or even if you did, if you have like perverted like the way God intended sex, like finding the sexual freedom in the Lord, mm-hmm. and I have a huge passion about like educating youth on that because as a youth that was something that I never I was never told why I was always told not to do it right that goes yeah. back to my legalistic faith but I was told not to have sex before marriage or not to lust and not to do all these things, yeah. but I was never told why yeah and so you're left curious and a huge part of my story is I had a porn addiction for two years. Because I was curious mm. and and I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden I'm in the binds of it, but you don't want to tell anybody because that's, mm-hmm. that's so frowned upon. And the Lord has since like, I have found freedom and redemption from it. And while it is still like my mind is being rewired back to how God intended it. I'm like, man, I found freedom in this and I want high schoolers. I want middle schoolers to know that there is freedom in this. I want college students to know there is freedom because the way that God has reworked that has just been so huge and so prominent in my testimony, the freedom that you can find in the Lord. Yeah. It truly is something that, and I'm just going to preference this to anybody listening, the language and the way that we describe things really matters. We're just, I'm already going to say this, like biggest pet peeve is that when homies do present that night at camp is cry night. Let's just stop using that terminology because there is this legalistic tendency with these are the expectations of when you're going to have certain moments. And I believe that the spirit of God can't be contained. And I know people aren't intentional about that or like they're trying, they're intending for that. Um, But we need to understand that the way that we describe things and the way that we put things together, have a definite matter of how students understand the Holy Spirit, also how students understand these topics. And I love what you're saying, Noah, especially with um, sex, sexuality, all those, like the big topics like that we cannot ignore right now is a big topic within our society. And just more so to the sex thing is that um, just saying not to do it, I totally agree with you, is just not the way. Um there is a certain understanding of not only teaching them that you should not do this, but the beauty behind like yeah, sex, yeah. the beauty behind what those, the imagery for in the word of God, how profound it is, um, how even singleness, the representation of that. I mean, there's, there is something about it that doing it the godly way, there's always this beautiful nature about it. And yeah, just because it's something that the world we the the world has distorted it, so it's become a weird topic. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. It's become a you know people are going to get uncomfortable if we talk about it. Um, 
Well, the only reason we're uncomfortable is because it's so conditioned as something that's made to be so inappropriate in our culture that instead making it an appropriate topic of you just have to understand this because we're fully okay with explaining why you shouldn't go and, you know, get drunk at parties or why you shouldn't do this. Like, this is what's going to be. But sometimes when it comes to sex, it's like, nah, just don't do that, you know, <laughs> or you'll because you're stealing somebody's virginity from them. And that's not. No. It is meant to be something where we have a deep, beautiful conversation about how I don't want people just not to do it because they're like, oh, I, I, I know it's wrong. But no, they're understanding what they're actually waiting for. Mm, yeah. That is our end goal in those conversations. Or when they come to camp, we explain what our end goal we want them for that camp. We want people to know I don't want them to desire to live a sinless life. I want them to desire to live a sanctified life. And what I mean by that is you just want to stop sinning. You won't have a relationship with Christ. But if you say, no, I know that sin puts this wall up against my relationship with Christ. And I want God to literally change the desires of my heart. I don't want to just say, well, I didn't sin this week, so I guess I'm pretty good. I want to be like, no, I didn't even desire to sin this week, which is like a a far-fetched understanding. But... Um, I definitely, like I said, man, I love what you're talking about there because it's, it's so prevalent how things are switching right now within our culture of, we need to just not promote this idea of just stop doing it or don't doing it. But we want you to truly desire the opposite of that is saying, we want you to desire to not do it. We want you to desire to do what God has called you to do. I think there there's two extremes that the church jumps to in response to kind of the free sexuality that's popular in like the sexual cult or in the secular culture. Sorry. It's either on the one hand, like you said, the legalist do not have sex mm-hmm. or else. And you, you don't know why, <laughs> right? There's that vine that or says, else. what if I want to have sex before marriage and you're going to have to prepare to die? <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> You've got that side. That's the one response. And then you have the opposite extreme. And and these are two, I think, improper ways that the church has treated sex, where in an effort to match the free sexuality of the secular world, the church has gone to saying, just hold on until marriage. And once you get into being married, you can have sex every single day when you can still be a glutton for sexual pleasure in marriage. Mm, come on. Come on. Come on, Griff. That is come on, good. Because if you gave in to every sexual urge, the way, like, let's say every time you want to eat, every time you have a thought, like, man, I kind of want to eat something, you would get fat. If you ate every time you had a thought that I want to eat something, you're going to get fat. If you, yeah, being in marriage, uh, things. You are a married man. I, I am married. You have experience. <laughs> um, it's, it's not, you don't have sex as much as everybody's done. You're going to have sex and it's totally okay. Like, uh, I will say like on average, most couples in the United States have sex once a week. Like that's the average. If you gave and still Dr. Morgan said something in class yesterday. that was pretty profound. He said, it is still possible to lust in the context of marriage. You can still lust after your wife. And, and you have to, you, you can't just keep rolling with the idea that you need to have sex every time you have a sexual urge because it's gluttony. Whether you understand it as that or not, it's gluttony. 
because it completely disregards. Um, Hallie said this one time. She said, or she said it yesterday, same class. She said, if you gave into every sexual desire that you have, you completely are disregarding the spiritual fruit of self-control. Come on. Oh, wow. So I think that's kind of the, this, this is not the place to develop a theology of sex. I want to get back on topic, but that's, that's, I had to get on my soapbox a little mm, bit. I apologize, guys. Yeah. That was a great soapbox. Mm-hmm. So to transition from that, uh, for you kind of, as you're going forward, man, I mean, what would be like, uh, so mainly this audience that we want to reach is so people that are wrestling with their calling mm. or just students in high school that are just like, man, I just got called into ministry, but like, what, what does that, heck even, does that look what like? What does that even mean? Yeah. Um, and even for those listening that are wrestling with like any type of calling, like any type of vocation, it's like God's asking asking me my mission field to be like nursing, or God's asking my mission field to be in the public schools or as a social worker. All this. Long story short, everybody wrestles mm-hmm. with what the Lord has called them to do, and a lot of us wrestle around that age of in high school. So now, oh, looking gosh. back on your journey and everything that we've talked about. What would be your greatest piece of advice to anyone that's listening that's wrestling through that? It actually came, this this stuck with me when I was in high school. This actually came from Noah Shigley. Um, but I got my call to ministry, and I was like, okay, what, what, from, what, what now? What do I do from here? And he said, go be a mini youth pastor in your youth group. And I, that just, I was like, huh, interesting. That's fire. And, and so I took it upon myself my senior year to be as involved, to help out as much as I could, to set the atmosphere, to set the tone, to bring some spiritual depth, like whatever I could do to be a youth pastor would like, I would do that. And now I'm thinking about like, if I'm going to be running a youth group and I had that same individual, I would be ecstatic yeah. because now I have someone that's their age leading. And so for all, all of our listeners that are like, okay, what do, I'm, I'm called to nursing. What do I do? Go get involved. If that is something that you are trying, you think you're called to do, go get involved. Go to a nursing home, help out. You will find out quickly if you are called to that or not. Wiping butts in the nursing home, probably. <laughs> if you're not actually called to it, you're not going to want to keep doing it for very much longer. <laughs> exactly. And the same thing with with being called to ministry. Yeah. Yeah, God, I, th- I think God's called me to ministry. Okay, get involved. Mm-hmm. How are you helping out in your church? How are you doing evangelistic work in your community? Are you serving in a mission? Are you sharing the gospel in Walmart to random people? I'm not saying, actually, I haven't even done that. I haven't shared the gospel in a Walmart before. But maybe I will now because I just said it and now I don't want to be a man lacking integrity. But mm-hmm. go get involved. And, and in high school, is, you'll look back on high school and be like, man, I was so busy in high school. And then you'll look back about 20 years later and be like, yeah, high school was a breeze. I didn't do anything in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, Schoolwork, nothing. Like, but you can get involved. You can prioritize this calling that you think you have. Start a prayer group at your yeah. high school. Yeah, I had a I had a small group, I had an accountability group in high school, and that that transformed my life. And it, it taught me so many different ways about leading. And but yeah, my one greatest piece of advice to wrap it up is go be a mini pastor, go be a mini youth pastor, go be a mini evangelist. Whatever it is that you think you're called to do, go do it. Great, man. So we like to end things by me and Griff, both whoever our guest is, just affirming them Mm. based off of everything we've heard and um, everything that we've talked about. And I could start us off, Griff. Sure. Uh, 
man, Noah, it's been a good three years, man, uh, with you as my brother. Um, I will say this to you, dude. I, in so many ways, understand the season you're going through right now. I went through the exact same season literally last year. Um, I was third-year current student, all that. And the fact that you're still doing the work, it shows that you truly love this. Because real love for something is when you hit the wall on it, but you still want to be committed to it. It's a lot like a lot of people don't, a majority of times people don't stay in marriages or dating relationships because they start to lose the butterflies and then they think it's gone. They think the love's not there anymore. But that's actually not. Dave Smith once said this so well. He said, when you hit that point, that's actually the point of commitment. Are you really going to commit to this thing that you love beyond feelings, beyond if it just gives you those butterflies, those exciting rushes? But is it really like, no, even in like the lowest points or in the highest points, I am content in all circumstances. And I'm going to tell you this about, man, you have already sacrificed so many things that other people would just be like, why? Dude, you clearly are meant to play baseball. You can throw 90-something yards. Uh, yards. Uh, 90, so, 90, 90 yards. 90 man. yards at 90 miles per hour. Um, throw shiesty. Uh, 90 miles per hour. Like, why would you give that up? And the simple reply of, it's not where the Lord wanted me. It's so simple, Noah, but that will carry you for the rest of your life. Is that that simple reply, all of us, no matter where we're at in life, no matter how confusing or unsafe it meant, or just so like, why? It made sense to God to ask me to do it. So I think it would not make sense for me to deny that. And I love that mentality about you, man. And I think truly you are going to be so good with every, what, every type of ministry you do. Um, coming from that story, the Lord is just going to use that for you, man, to be able to just pour into others when they're too like, what am I? What if I don't know how if I want to give this up? You're going to be like, man, I know what it's like to give up. You're almost like your second. And we always talk about Christ as our first love. Sometimes those second loves, man, are really hard to surrender and give up. And I'm happy and I'm so proud of you, man, that with the decisions you've made, I truly know who your first love is. Hmm. So Thanks, man. That means a lot. So I don't know you quite as well as Dan does. I think we had local church ed together. Mm. Yeah, that was, was that what last a class. year. Was hey, that last shout fall? out Keith Springer. Yeah, we got to get him on here soon. During during COVID, man. Was that? Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, that was that Masked spring. Up, it was. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah. based off of those interactions in that class, however long ago it was, don't act like a year's that long. But, um, and just sitting down here with you, I want to echo what Dan said. Like your obedience. Um, to the Lord is inspiring and your passion for educating youth on sex, because it's going to be one of the most defining conversations. I think that can be had, especially at like the age of puberty, because that's one of the only things kids <laughs> going through puberty think about, or at least when I was going through puberty, that was on my mind a lot. Oh yeah, me too. And having an education on why that matters to God, not just don't do it, but the beauty behind waiting and what it actually means to give your all to somebody. I think you're going to be amazing at that. I think you're especially gifted for working with youth by your demeanor, the way you speak, um, the humility with which you handle yourself. Um, I think you're going to be a great tool um, for God 
I think you're going to be a great servant and lean into that, remain obedient. And I want again, I want to echo what Dan's saying. You are remaining obedient currently. It's not going to be the only time you're going to hit a point where you want to stop or you don't see the point, but keep being obedient. Keep being obedient. Keep being obedient because the end goal that God has in mind is better than anything we could have imagined for ourselves. Um, and I think we can attest to that by looking back, you know, on where we were to where we are and seeing that God, yes, God is good. Being obedient is uncomfortable. It's maybe not as fun as it would have been being a D1 college baseball player, mm-hmm. but it's good. Mm-hmm. So that's my affirmation for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Yeah. How can we pray for you, brother? Yeah. I mean, you guys heard my heart a little bit about how struggling to get that through that grind. Um, but Fusion's coming up pretty soon. And I have hey, shout out Fusion. Yeah, I have a great opportunity to lead that with JC, who was on last week, two weeks ago. Yep. And and Hallie, um, two amazing people and, and Charlie and Stacy and Shami are just killing the game. So um yeah, for all you high schoolers that want to come to Fusion, come man. You give it a little pitch real quick. Yeah, yeah. So Fusion is this year. It's a one day event. It's called Fusion Fest. Bringing in KB Vertical Worship Colony House. Going to have some great times and, and hopefully you know some life change. And that's what we're praying for. Amen. And so come in, come over, come come expectant. I think that's a it's a whole different topic, but come expectant for the Lord to move and just see different ways to. Yeah, maybe get your calling to ministry, find salvation, whatever it is, but um, come over to Fusion. But yeah, I would say, because my heart's kind of been a little lacking of passion and and drained, definitely some encouragement to, to continue to lead Fusion, but also for life change to happen at Fusion, um, for God to, to show up like that same experience for me and, and for Griff and for you, Dan, where we can cut it with the butter knife. Like it's yeah. so thick, so prominent. So yeah. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, we just thank you so much for today, God. Lord, we thank you that me and Griff were able to have Noah on today. And Lord, a call into ministry is nothing to be taken lightly. Any calling that you give somebody, Lord, Lord, you, no matter what vocation, no matter what jobs we do, we are all called into this great commission, called into this great ministerial work. And Lord, you have called this brother into the ministerial work in the local church. And Lord, I, my prayer for him is that he may be content in all circumstances. That when almost like, you know, Paul saying that as a guy who, Lord, you guided him, when he was in jail or when churches were like celebrating his coming, um, Lord, somehow in the midst of that craziness, he learned through the work you did in his heart how to be content in all circumstances. So I have that same prayer for Noah as he's even going through this season, Lord. It's so hard because God, you know, especially as people, when we feel so deeply, God, it is this thing when we're not feeling as much it's almost like is there something wrong with me but lord i also have this powerful thing that paul says lord after he talks about the thorn in his flesh he says but lord your power is made perfect in my weakness and even as noah goes to this fusion season lord and he's on these leadership things that he knows god truly that 
even if he's at his least, God, you can still do so much through him. And that, Lord, again, your power is made perfect in his weakness. So, God, give him that confidence he needs moving forward. I pray, Lord, as he does his homework, that he just meets your presence in the midst of that. That as he does this work, he thinks of those students, those adults, those others, brothers and sisters in Christ, the lost, that need to know your word, Lord. That, God, that if we don't do this, it's it, doing this homework, it's not just for a grade. It's not so that we get some degree. It's not so that we look cool or we sound spiritual on a podcast, Lord. No, it's because there are lost people. There are, there are people that don't know. There are people that are hurting, God. And this information we learn is so much greater than ourselves, God. And may that just burden his heart. That even on those days that he least wants to do it, may that build such a servanthood mentality that the reason we're doing this homework, again, is not just for our own sake, Lord, but it's for others that it's so much greater than ourselves. So even on the days that we don't even want to do it for ourselves, God, may we just say, no, this is going to matter to somebody. And not just for no, I just pray over that, all of us, everybody listening, me and Griff, and God, just let, let it be so, God. Let it be so that Noah continues just to know you more, even in this time where he feels like, I feel the least passionate I ever have. That somehow in your mysterious work that he grows even when it just doesn't even feel like there's a seed being planted. We love you so much, God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Griff, will you send us out? I will. We want to thank the band Caledonia for providing all of the music you heard on the podcast today. You can find them on Instagram at Official Caledonia. We also want to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University um, for making not only the Coffee and Calling podcast um, possible, but all of the Called Collective. Please check out the other podcasts we've got. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You're sent. All right. Thanks, Noah. Yeah, thanks yeah, for being yeah. on, thank man. You guys. Hey, Peace. thanks for listening, everybody. You've been awesome. And we'll see you on next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.